0: What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We're checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis.
1: What's going on, man? How we doing, bro? How we doing? I'm feeling good. Um, rough game for the Green with Envy men's league <laughs> squad last night, but overall, I'm feeling good about how the Celtics played, so happy to be here with you. Yeah, we flipped, as you guys may have noticed, we flipped our recording days here
0: with uh, with our homies over at First to the Floor. Had a little mishap with being able to watch the game after our disappointing rec league debut. The champs, hey, you know what? It, it's kind of like when the champs come out on banner night. You know, they're hanging the banner. You're getting the rings. And sometimes you're just a little bit distracted. You know, team team just didn't have it last night. But, hey, that's okay. Because the guy's in green they had it. Taking down the Cleveland Cavaliers 117 to 113, a really big home win for the Celtics who I didn't realize hadn't been home in so long until I heard Jason Tatum's post game talking about man I haven't slept in my own bed in two weeks. When you mm-hmm. factor in the All-Star break road trip right before that couple of road games right after, uh, it was good to see the Celtics back in green. And on this podcast on the second half, Greg and I are going to hit y'all with our Q3 all NBA and MVP update. And in that, you know, we talked about Greg, Jason Tatum, if he's going to get back into this MVP race, which, you know, to, to foreshadow a little bit, he's on the back end of that top five right now, needing some real strong momentum. He had a great way to start it. 41, 11 and eight for him in this Cavs game. Uh, Just real quick. I want to talk about just like, you know, what were your thoughts watching Jason Tatum, who by his standards, as we talk about in the second half was slumping in air quotation marks here in February.
1: Thought the Cavs didn't play enough Dean Wade. (laughs) (laughs) That's your boy. That's my guy. No, I just. I mean, with 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 Tatum, there's just some games where you can see it in his legs. He just looks like he has so much energy. He's so bouncy. He looks like he could play 48 minutes if he needed to play 48 minutes. It wouldn't affect him. I don't know what it was, if it was the home cooked meal, as he said, if it was sleeping in his own bed. But he just looked like he was ready for, for the matchup. Um, I I know that he, as you could see during the game and after the game, him, Donovan Mitchell, and the rest of the guys in Donovan Mitchell, they all love Donovan Mitchell because of their time together with Team USA. So he gets up for those matchups. The fact that Mitchell outdueled him in the first two matchups this year. You know Tatum had to come out, especially after the stinker that he put up um, in the previous game and hadn't been good since the All-Star break. So this is what you expect out of Jason Tatum. Like last year in the finals, it was weird. You know, when he was getting outplayed by Wiggins, you just kept waiting for this game where you'd be like, okay, Tatum's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. He's going to find it. And he just <laughs> never did. And it was just like, man, the series is over and Tatum didn't have his moment in the finals. Because this is what we've grown to expect out of this kid is just every single time um, he, we need him to step up as he did in game six against the Bucks last year, Jason Tatum rises to the occasion. And we saw it tonight. He was just all over the floor, both ends of the court. And this was the first um step towards him getting back in the forefront of that mvp discussion
0: yeah and shout out to deuce you know deuce deuce got loyalty to pops you see donovan mitchell tried to come over snag a little snag a little pal a little dap what's up deuce deuce wasn't having it i gotta i mean i don't know if there's ever been a cooler five-year-old six-year-old whatever he is but but deuce has got to be up there in those rankings but you know with with the game last night something i thought was was really interesting this is going to lead into A question that I have for you here in just a moment and we've talked about this before when hinting at a potential matchup with the Cavs as things stand right now the Celtics are kind of jostling back and forth with the Bucks for that one seed half game back right now as we're recording this so if they get up to that one spot there's a chance that in that second round could be the Cleveland Cavaliers waiting for them and we've talked a lot about their front courts. Obviously, you know, Evan Mobley in the second year, we've talked about does he pop? Does he have that moment? Hopefully that didn't annoy you, Greg, with the uh, the pop noise that I just might have got right <laughs> yeah, there. So the m- pop mark, noise is a good man. I'm m- 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 good mark with that the post down for 415 for the audio. But uh no, between Evan Mobley and Jared M, we talk about you know the 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 level of play that they sustain and how they provide you know that backbone of a really solid defensive team for the Cavaliers, and then you look at on the other side, Al Horford and Rob Williams. I think a big part of this game is that I think Al Horford and Rob Williams collectively outplayed Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in that game the other night. And so I think when you look forward to this as a potential playoff matchup, that's going to be one of
1: the major factors going into that. Absolutely. I just think when Robert Williams plays the way that Robert Williams played last night, just in terms of. Being the most physical of the bigs on the court against Allen and Mobley, who aren't the most physical, right? They Mm -hmm. can have a physical impact just with their size and length, but they're not bruisers. So Robert Williams, it's kind of like the perfect matchup for him to go up against those two guys um, because he's not going to get pushed around. And even like a guy like Mitchell Robinson with the Knicks, like Mitchell Robinson is a big dude and rob like had a hard time with him he has a hard time with like guys that can beat and mm-hmm. guys that can muscle him those two can't muscle him If it's just a jumping contest with robert williams he's gonna win at least 50 percent of those and for the Cavs to beat the celtics they need to be winning more than 50 percent of the matchups with the bigs and then you add al horford who is just money all night from three the reason why jason tatum was on a triple double watch last night is because al horford was knocking down all the threes on those you know dimes from tatum coming off of screen and role actions and just you know ridiculous luca type passes to the corner um our bigs were better than their bigs their bigs are a little one-dimensional there's a lot of mitchell and garland going back and forth and not much else happening with that offense so if you don't empower evan mobley and jared allen to have an offensive impact if you just expect them to just be role players they're going to be good at that but they're not going to be great and it's it, it I don't think that they can have the impact that they should be able to have going up against guys like Al Horford and Rob Williams if they're kind of just relegated to being, you know, um, defensive presences and pick and roll guys.
0: Uncle Al was hitting that grill last night, man. Six of six to start, he was just flame throwing. But you've touched on a couple things that I that I want to just brainstorm with you here for a second okay let's do it so you talked about rob williams and specifically i was waiting to see how this game went because watching that knicks game and i mentioned you know i, I think i missed this in the second half but i was watching with our with our friend libtac who's a, who's a knicks fan he was asking me about how's rob been you know this year for the team and i think he's been good but the big word that we always use was Rob's impact and you just mentioned that a minute ago when talking about the Cavs' big how impactful rob is when he's out there and i think he's had moments he's had a games games here and there but my, you know, I don't have this. Is, this is the way not to do a first take show, uh, you know, to do a Skip Bayless or a Stephen A. Smith. I don't have a scorching hot take, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's been quite as impactful as he was last year when thinking about the peak of Rob Williams, the borderline defensive player of the year candidate, Rob Williams. And, you know, you look at the numbers, the numbers aren't dramatically different. He's playing a little bit less minutes, so that kind of goes into it. The blocks are down over a full block per game. But just anecdotally, I feel like you don't feel that impact necessarily quite as much or as often. I should say that's probably as often as it was a year ago. And watching that Knicks game, you know, you talked about him struggling with a guy like Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson was far more impactful in that Knicks Mm -hmm. game than Rob Williams. Like it wasn't even close. And so watching that game, I was curious to see what it would look like against Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And you know, based off what you just said, my hunch is is that you're gonna say it's just more matchup dependent, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Is this something we should be watching with Rob? Because it feels like over the stretch of games that we've had now since he's been back, the impact is there at times. It's just the consistency of that impact feels less, but this is totally anecdotal. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on it.
1: I mean, when you think about Rob last year, like he wasn't super impactful until the second half of the season, so he was really only great for a short amount of time. And mm-hmm. like in that short amount of time, he just shot up to being one of the best defensive players in the league. We always knew that he could potentially be there at his peak. And then he did it for a couple months, which felt like longer than it probably was. So we, we were actually just like expecting Rob to just be this consistent force this year, coming back off of injury, which is also difficult. So he hasn't really played that many games this year. So to expect him just to be nice, in night out, one of the best defensive players in the year. I think that's a lot to ask out of Rob considering he hasn't really done that in his career ever for a full season so mm-hmm. I think that part of it is that, you know I always come back to the, the the idea of expectations I think the expectations for Rob were so high and based off of that two to three month sample size of him being a defensive player of the year candidate and now that where we have him back we've expected fully that Rob Williams was going to be that same guy and he just hasn't been and that's okay I think that when we yeah, see he's not been bad. that was one of my, my things Yeah, that I didn't yeah, have yeah.
0: like a strong thing because he hasn't been bad, but I'm just, you know, I'm just curious. Just, you know, you got to start thinking of these things.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you see moments last night, like that amazing um – First quarter possession where uh, Al hit him with the weak side um, alley-oop off the dunker spot. Then he had another alley-oop from Smart, which we haven't seen quite as much this That's year. That's the other that part I was going to say,
0: is that was the other big part of the the impact, is we, we obviously lean defense with Rob, but we mm-hmm. haven't really seen the alley-oops in that vertical spacing that we've talked about, and we did get a little bit more of that in this Cleveland game.
1: Yeah, and just like the fact that he was able to go up and go get that ball. I know he missed the dunk, um, and so, you know, the guys are looking – for him to be more springy around the basket. And I think he needs to be more aggressive. That's been a big critique of Rob this year is he hasn't looked to score the ball when he's had opportunities. Um, But I thought he played great on both ends of the court. And then that block that he had on Garland, You know, for Rob to have the quote-unquote impact that we've been talking about is that he needs to put fear in the opponents when they're driving into the lane. And it doesn't feel like he's had that impact this year. It's like when he's on the court, we need to be... Like thinking about the time we we saw Dwight Howard back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, right, where he it was just like, dang, everybody on the court is aware of where Dwight mm-hmm. Howard is in the paint. like that's what we need out of Rob again. And we started to see it last night, and we've seen it at times this year, but it hasn't been consistent. So let's just, as you said, let's continue to watch yeah. for that to see how he continues to prove as we ramp up towards the playoffs
0: yeah we'll we'll check back in on, on, on the playoffs i think that's an interesting plot line here for the celtics down the stretch one last thing i want us to hit here greg before we send this over to our third quarter all nba and mvp list is we can talk about the other williams on the team grant mm-hmm. williams what the hell's going on you know caught a dmp last night his first coach's decision dmp was not listed on the injury report in any way and, and let me just ask you off the top of your head how many games this year do you think Rob has played under 15 minutes? Rob or Grant? Excuse me, Grant. Grant
1: good call. Grant, good Grant. Um, Under 15 minutes. Let's see. I would say probably eight to ten. Two.
0: And one of them was that Indiana game right after the break. So he caught a DNP against Cleveland. Just over six minutes in the Indiana game, and then he's got one other game this entire season in which he was under fifteen minutes. So I know Joe Mazzulla was asked about this in in the post game, and just claimed it was it was matchup dependent. And I'm be honest, I'm going to call kind of BS on that a little bit. Like it, it feels like there's more to it. If this were a game, it, you know, if this game were in the middle of the season, he would have played 15 to 20 minutes. It's very clear that that's been where he's at in the rotation. I get you're making tweaks as you get closer to the playoffs, but zero minutes and you coincide that with the six-minute stint against Indiana. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's more here that's not coming out. And and I'm not 100% sure what to make of it. I don't know if this is contract positioning, which is kind of a weird thing to do at, at this point in the season. Or if there's something more that, you know, is happening here. And some of Celtics Twitter would, would apparently be on Missoula's side, which I'm not quite there yet.
1: Okay, but if we're looking at it, right, the, the minutes that would go to Grant in that game went to Hauser and Muscala, who played a combined 20 minutes, right? So you could see giving more minutes to the best seven on this team the mm-hmm. best seven seven on this team being um the starting five plus Brogdon and white you know i guess that's like a starting seven that's, that's yeah, it yeah it really
0: is <laughs> it's it's an
1: amazing seven so like i think yeah there there is something there that grant didn't get an opportunity but i i don't disagree that going up against a team like the cavs that are so long in the front court and so quick in the back court it's not the best matchup for grant like straight up it just really isn't so If you're going to have guys that can guard Donovan Mitchell and guard Darius Garland, you want to give more of the minutes to Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White. You want to be able to um, bring the two bigs away from the hoop and have a Muscala and 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 a Hauser in there. Muscala can match up a little bit more with the size. Hauser is just a better shooter than Grant. So I can see the argument, but it is strange that he got a DNP in a game where the Celtics were up pretty handedly in the second half like they there were there was a moment for Grant Williams to play but I mean people have been talking about all year man Grant Adam said it on his pod recently like is Grant Williams the new Marcus Smart for Boston Celtics fans and just like the way that he's perceived he gets a little too big for his britches sometimes you know so I think especially with him and the way that he complains to referees and he kind of bitches and moans throughout the game it's a little bit annoying I'm sure it weighs on Joe and like maybe he just needed to like check Grant and be like hey dude like we don't we don't need you like, you can help this team, but we don't need you on the court. Like, we have other guys that can that can play a role. So I think there's probably a little bit of a lesson in there.
0: Joe, going with the alpha dog move on uh, on Grant Williams here. Potentially. Love it. It's Yeah, it's it's definitely something. Once again, this is another storyline that I didn't really see coming, but is now something that as we get to, you know, the last 20 or so games of the season, I really think we need to keep an eye on, because it is weird to see that happen two out of the three games right out of the jump coming out of the all-star break with such low minute totals from a guy that, at least in my mind, going into the all-star break, I thought he was solidified as a rotation guy, night in, night out, regardless of matchup, he was going to find a way to contribute. And now we're seeing that that might be shaken up a little bit here. So definitely Mm -hmm. something to, to keep our eye on. So we will tune, we will check in on that here next time that we come back to you. But for now, we're actually gonna take a quick break. And on the other side, it's Q3, folks. It's the All-NBA, first, second, and third team. It is our top five MVP list. We are going to give you the fresh updates hot off the press right after this. Welcome in to the third quarter check-in here on Green with Envy. This is our third quarter All-NBA and MVP check-in. Greg, I got to say, man, it's. I know we've talked about this the last couple of pods, it's crazy that we're down to basically the last 20 games right now of, of this season. It, it feels like it's gone by in a flash. Dude, I don't
1: know how we got here. I don't know how we got <laughs> it. You know, like I, I, I'm just thinking back to the beginning of this season and like everything has felt weird since the bubble season and COVID. Like there's just so much basketball that I've consumed. I forget what year it is. I forget how old I am all the time. I'm just happy that we're past the all-star break. And I know that I can look at that line of demarcation. Like, okay, I know we're done with all that bullshit. And now we can focus on the stretch run. Super happy to be here and talk about this.
0: Yeah, man. And the NBA has been popping off since the All Star break. You know, it was kind of a, you know, football ended. The All Star break was kind of a dud, but I mean, just since we've come back, the Bucks are on a 15 game win streak. Dame dropped 71 points. You know, we have you know our first look at a lot of guys. KD coming up in the Suns uniform is going to be you know this week coming up. Curry might be coming back. So the NBA is definitely you know hitting its stride. We got teams streaking. The Celtics you know went down to the Knicks uh, earlier this week. Got a chance to watch that with our buddy Matt Lipzak. You know he's all in. We got Knicks fans that are that are coming back in strong right now. Looking at the job. Josh Hart revelation that's happening in New York. And so every team feels like they kind of have a chance there's a lot of teams that feel like they have a chance. And so it's going to be a really exciting stretch run. And so today I'm excited for us to look at the progression of our first quarter, second quarter, and now third quarter, all NBA and MVP. Let's start with, with all NBA, because I think that's going to be the funner one MVP. We're going to hit on a couple of these guys in the all NBA I, I think I'm going to go team by team with kind of recapping what it is, and then we'll, we'll dig into each of our teams here, Greg. But to set this up here, so my first quarter, first team, All-NBA, we were looking at Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, J- Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. For you, we had Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Jokic. Second quarter, I believe we both had the same oh – I know we'll get yeah, – second quarter, we both had the same thing. Mitchell, Luka, Tatum, KD, Jokic. So those are our first teams from Q1 to Q2. Now we're in Q3. This is the last one before we come up with one cumulative list between the two of us of our definitive Green with Envy All-NBA teams. So let's jump in to your first team here, Greg. So this is Q3, first team All-NBA. What do you – let's start with the backcourt. Who is your backcourt? For the first team all nba here in the third quarter of the season
1: all right so if you're watching on youtube you're watching on twitter you see that i have chosen despite a lot of deliberation because i i my first draft of this actually didn't have either of these guys on the first team <laughs> and then i dug in a little bit deeper and i realized that they still deserve to be my first team backcourt that is one luca legend luca Doncic, and donovan mitchell at the end of the day you know, I had to come up with criteria to decide who was who I was going to cut, and Luca and Donovan both surpassed all the criteria. And I also just believe that they are two of the best guards in the entire league. I had to factor in some team success. I had to factor in individual performance. I had to factor in games played. Um, what I ended up going with, Will, was the the floor of games played for me was forty five games. Did you come up with a, a floor?
0: I didn't. I, I ebbed and flowed and that's probably the hardest thing for me. And really it comes into play when we get to the third team where I have a I have a a spot on the third team where you can convince me to to take this guy off. And and I wouldn't be upset about it, so I have an asterisk next to that. So I didn't have a hard and fast rule of of where that needed to be, Um, but it was somewhere around forty ish games is 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 where I landed. And I have two exceptions, so it's not even that hard of a rule that, that 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 go a little bit below that. But I think that's part of the that was the the criteria that you know that was part of the criteria I looked at. The other one for me, especially when it comes to first team, first team, you have to have the elite of the elite stat lines and team success to go along with it you got to have basically both and Luca who also made my first team is the closest to being on the edge because of where the Mavericks are are floating right now mm-hmm. his stats and what he does are still so amazing that I'm leaving him also in my first team Luca made it I he was one that I wrote down same as you I kind of went back and and double check like is this what I want to put and, and ultimately Luke is just that special. Luca. Luca's already been a three-time first-team All NBA guy. He, he's on there for me again. Okay,
1: you have somebody different though for your other uh, guard spot.
0: I do. So what I always do initially is I just sit down without looking at stats, and I'll write out my first, second, and third team as best I can without like digging in just off of feel what I've seen what you know just just sit down with the computer write write down for 10 minutes first team second team third team then I'll start to dig in like is this really the right call and go back and forth so Mitchell was the guy who initially I wrote down as my first team Mm-hmm. Instead, and honestly, some news broke just a couple of hours ago that made me have to just change this, <laughs> is John Morant right now is actually my first, my second first team guard right now. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of that was I was influenced by watching him last night against the Lakers. You know, I, I sent out a tweet that between him, Shea, and then as our, as our guy, FAO mentioned, you know, throw Kyrie without the antics in here, have the three of them at all star break at, at the all star break, maybe just do some type of obstacle course where they're facing three different centers that try and block their shots and they have to get off a shot in the lane because the shots John Morant gets off at different angles, absorbing contact, using athleticism, using angles, it's mind-boggling. And he finds so many different ways and he went nuclear last night as we're recording this in the third quarter against the Lakers. Uh, And then some bad stuff came out. So it feels a little weird talking about John Morant right now in this sense, given some of the news that has broken with, you know, some police reports that came out from over the summer and his involvement with a 17-year-old and some fights and a gun being shown. And it's uh, it's a it's a sticky situation, especially on top of some of the other stuff that's been reported with John his camp just earlier in the year. But when you factor in that the Grizzlies are in second place, I know that they've been slipping as of late but they're still in second place in the West. So him and the Cavs records are pretty similar. Both him and Mitchell average about the same amount of points. And then you factor in the rebounds and assist in the, in the offensive load that Morant has to carry, whereas Donovan Mitchell has at least Dyrus Garland to lean on Desmond Baines, not quite at that level. You we've talked about the issues with Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson can't stay on the court and doesn't really create for himself. And so I think with that, I leaned just slightly over Donovan Mitchell, but, like I said, it was very, very close.
1: Yeah. Ja, I mean, the, let's just talk about the Ja police reports for a second. Because yeah. we, we, we got to talk about it. It's like an interesting conversation at, at least. First, when you started off this pod, you were talking about things popping off. The first thing I thought about was Ja Morant. And <laughs> yeah. then and then you started talking about Jaw going nuclear. And we're getting like all these violent phrases thrown around when we're associating with Jaw. I don't know if it's like a subconscious thing or if it's just like in – you know, your everyday parlance that you're going to start using those cliched Ooh, phrases, parlance. but yeah, check, check me out. But with ja, so he's, he's on one of my teams. Um, I don't know if that, I did read the news today and he, it may have influenced me. I don't know if it was a subconscious yeah. influence, but He's out of my first team. He probably deserves to be on a first team based off of his performances here. As you said, he does have so much to carry. But when you first saw the news about Ja, which apparently had come out months before, it just like bleached. Yeah, Report, there were some whispers of it. But, or
0: you, We didn't get as many details as we got until today.
1: Yeah, what, what were your initial thoughts with that? Because as you said... You know, he was in the news for a member of his camp, you know, pointing a laser at somebody on like the Pacers staff or something like that earlier this year. Um, and just like all the, st- and the stuff with Shannon Sharp happened, yeah. it's just like the Grizzlies are a little bit of a circus right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was kind of kind of my thought was, you know, I, I really up until a couple of weeks ago had really liked the Grizzlies as a team that potentially could come out of the West. I'm starting to come into your camp of, of not treating them quite as serious and a little bit of, it's just a circus around it. Right. Like, Dylan Brooks is his own issue. John Morant in his camp, Jaron Jackson can't stay on the court. You know, all of a sudden, Steven Adams, who I like Steven Adams, he's a nice piece to have for a playoff run, but he's out for 12 games and you go, you're like two and nine in those 11, 12 games, whatever. Like that can't, that doesn't make any sense. That's not what happens with a championship team when Steven Adams, who in certain matchups will be valuable, but in certain matchups, you won't won't even be able to play it. And so you can't fall apart like that. And so when I saw the news with John Morant, it, it just adds up to more of a, a bad sign for the Grizzlies and their chances for this year. And, you know, if Jha's not careful, man, I mean, you just, I, I don't want to judge. I'm trying not to read too much into it. Cause I don't know all the details. I know the article I read from bleacher report, and I know some of the other incident that got re- reported on the athletic and you, it's you know it's where there's smoke there's fire sometimes right and there's a whole (laughs) lot of smoke i know they asked for the smoke but this isn't the smoke
1: that they were looking for They ain't ducking no smoke
0: yeah they ain't ducking no smoke and this is a lot of smoke from john moran's camp coming towards the grizzlies so not a great look let's see how it unfolds but you know like i said i think for right now he's in the first team mitchell over him no qualms he he was right there i was debating between the two Um, but we'll see what that means for the
1: grizzlies going forward here but not the vibes
0: aren't feeling super correct over there in Memphis. All
1: right, let's move on to uh, the forward spots for NBA first team. I decided to go with what I think is the Eastern Conference Finals preview. The marquee matchup. We're going Jason Tatum versus Giannis and Tatumpo. I would imagine you have the exact same forward spots there. Sure. Kind of, yeah, kind of tough to to make an argument for anybody else. You know. Are you going to throw LeBron James in there? Are you going to throw Laurie Markkinen in there? Like Julius Randle? Like when you start thinking about all the other forwards that are like eligible based on the criteria we're setting – Like, there's nobody that's even in the conversation here. It's Jason Tatum. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Both are going to be top three to four MVP candidates this year. Two-way players who do it all for their teams. You know, we're a Celtics podcast, so we obviously love JT. We see the impact that he has. We see the growth that he's shown this year, despite struggling since the All-Star break. And then Giannis is just Giannis. You and I love the, the ferocity that Giannis Antetokounmpo plays with. He has, like, the the body of like Anthony Davis mixed with like a little bit of LeBron mixed with like the tenacity of Russell Westbrook, you know, it's like all these different things. I I, I don't
0: know if you just did that off the cuff. That wasn't bad. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's pretty good Frankenstein of like, of who Giannis really is. And yeah, this was, this was probably the easiest call out of, out of anything that we, that we did for, for M for all NBA, for MVP, these two in this slot, it's it's cut and dry. And, you know, they when they're available, they play. And, you know, we were, we were talking a few episodes ago. Oh, man, this this hand injury to to Giannis, this could be serious. He was back last night, dropped a casual 33 and 15 bucks of 115 straight.
1: And bro, the first game out of the break, he tweaked his knee and he like only played six minutes in that game, you know, and you're worried about him having like another knee injury. So he's, he's one of those guys that's just going to play through everything. Same with Tatum. Tatum never wants to sit. People are going to spin that how they want it and say that he's chasing numbers and all this stuff going out for the MVP. He's there for his team. Giannis is there for his team. And I just love that both of these guys are available. And that was one of the biggest criteria for me is like, if you. If you were only missing a handful of games then like that was really important. Jason mm-hmm. Tatum falls into that. Giannis I think has missed about 10 or 11 games. He's missed games a few here. more, yeah. Yeah, but like he's had some issues. He had like he carries so much of the load for the Bucks that like with Middleton being out for as much as he was out th- this year, like yeah, it makes sense Giannis is a little overtaxed.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And real quick, going back to Tatum, I've seen this narrative pop up, and I don't know if this is Boston radio media driven about him only wanting his individual success. Like, but what is that bullshit? Like, where is that coming from? I don't understand. I've seen it pop up from a you know some guy from W E E I, and I've seen a few other you know on Twitter every once in a while I see that. I think Shaughnessy
1: and, just like wrote an article about well, him and called him yeah, and called him like. Shynessy egomaniacal like aau driven like narcissist basically it's like jason tatum like that yeah
0: i i just i I just don't get it i mean that guy never wants to sit out even when he should You know, we've talked a bunch about the evolution of Jason Tatum. I was talking to our friend Liptak about this because he's like, sometimes I watch him and I don't, he's having an off night. He's had a couple, he's had a rough February by his standards. He's had a rough February. But now you see a lot of times if he's having a, you know, five for 17 night, he's got 13 rebounds and six assists to go along with it. There's so much more that Jason Tatum brings that it doesn't make sense to me. This just feels like we need something to talk about. Let's say Jason Tatum is chasing individual away. Awards versus you know leading the best or second best team in the NBA right now. So yeah. I, I I just don't get that narrative. Jt Giannis, easy choices here. I don't even think there's there's any way to to argue with that. If KD had more games, that's the only thing. But where he's been out for a little bit, there's there's nowhere else that you can go. So with that, let's go to the center because then just the way that all NBA shakes out. Every year, we get to decide who's first team, who's second team. We know the names. We know who it's going to be. It's just Mm -hmm. which team is which. And I think it's the last three straight years, it's been Jokic first team, Embiid second team. Does that change for you right now?
1: Oh, yes, it does. There it is. Joel Embiid. I'm just so impressed with what Embiid does on both ends of the court. You know me. I will always value the two-way impact of a guy over – a guy who is very limited on one end of the court. Um, I don't know, you know, the advanced numbers on Jokic this year in terms of his defensive impact versus his offensive impact. But I just know watching Joel Embiid, nobody wants to go in the paint against the Sixers, right? Joel Embiid is there and he's going to be contesting. He's going to be switching out on the perimeter. He can play drop coverage. He can switch out if you need him to. He can guard. Some of the fastest guys in the league, like I was watching the, um, the Sixers and Grizzlies game recently, and there were a couple of times where Ja tried to take him to the rack. And yeah, Ja was able to get by him to some degree, but then Embiid's strength and length just takes over and he was able to just like make things difficult at the rim. And it's, it's surprising when somebody decides to go at Embiid when Jokic is on the court, they are targeting Jokic and trying to get him in action. Nobody wants to smoke with Joel Embiid on defense. He's probably a top two defender in this entire league. I would say Giannis is probably the best defender in the league. And then you got Jaron Jackson in there, but he's more of just like a defensive focus player, right? But two-way impact. I just love what Embiid does on both ends of the court. And he just, he steps up and then For me, bro, honestly, I watched the game. You know, we we watched that game where it was Sixers against Nuggets, and Embiid just gave it to Jokic. And to me, that matters.
0: No, that's that's fair. I can't really combat any of that. With that said, I have Jokic on my first team. Yeah, (laughs) and I mean, their first place in the West. Uh, You look at his win shares. His win shares for the season is twelve point three. As good as Joel Embiid's been, it's eight point five. There's a pretty sizable gap between that. Um, I, I, I agree with everything that you've said, I think in the playoffs, Jokic being, you know, he's, he's average on defense. I don't want to say he's below average. He's average on defense. He's another guy that just shows up and and plays every game. He's played 55 games this year. You see the way that he enables everyone around them and enhances them on that nuggets team. I mean, this is one of those debates where there's no wrong answer. Both both of them are all time players. Jokic is going for a third straight MVP, it's it, it's by the slimmest of margins that that I've got Jokic over Embiid. But I, I know looking back, like I said, I I mean we we, we had this flip in Q1. Mm-hmm. Q one, I had Embiid first team, you had Jokic first team. And now since then we've flipped our opinions. But it's it, you know, like I said, this is this is one where you can't go wrong. This is one where they both probably need to be. So where we're debating Donovan Mitchell and John Morant, if the NBA was to change this, we would just kick them out and we would add oh. Embiid and Jokic on, right? That's that's the simple solution Absolutely. to all of them. So that's where it's at. I mean, Nikola Jokic, we'll talk about him when we do MVP here in just a little bit, but those were super simple decisions. So with that, we know on your second team, your center is going to be Jokic. My second team, it's going to be MB. Let me do the recap here real quick before we jump to our second team. So in Q1, my second team, I had SGA, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Pascal Siakam, and Nikola Jokic. For Greg, second team, first quarter was John ja Morant, SGA, Luca, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. Second quarter, for myself, we were looking at John ja Morant, SGA, Giannis, Zion, and then Embiid. And for Greg, he had John ja Morant, SGA, oh, excuse me, that was your first quarter. Second quarter was John ja Morant, Curry, Jalen Brown, Giannis, and Embiid. All right, so going into Q3, we know the center's. We don't need to cover that. We, we just talked about it. You're going to have Jokic. I'm going to have Embiid. Do you want to go to the the guards or you want to go to the forward spots?
1: Uh, let's go to the guards here, man. Um, do, you, do you have a, a banner for second team?
0: I do. I'm going to go ahead and switch <laughs> that. That's a that's a good call right there. That's there we a good, go. That's a good production call right there from my guy. I actually specifically made them out so I wouldn't just edit them. There we go. That works really well. So let's go to the guard spots here. And let me give you mine here first of what I've got for our second team, because one of them we already know. So I've got Donovan Mitchell in one of those spots. In the other guard spot, I've got Damian Lillard, man. Damian mm. Lillard has not been on any of my teams. Coming into this, but he has been just absolutely insane over the last 20 games that he's had, basically this last quarter. So we know he dropped 71 the other day. Here's the last 20 games that Dame has right now he's shooting 51.4% from the field, shooting 40.8% from three on 12 attempts per game, shooting 95.6% from the free throw line on 11 and a half attempts per game. 4.8 4.8 rebounds, 7.4 assists, less than three turnovers per game, averaging just a solid 38.7 points. So if you want the recipe to go from honorable mention to second-team borderline first-team consideration, Dame Lillard's got the recipe. Donovan Mitchell, Dame Lillard, that's my backcourt for all-NBA second-team.
1: Can't hate you for it. Um, so just so just so real quick, some guys that got cut for me because of my criteria that I set, so one was the the floor of forty five games played, mm-hmm. but then I also had you had to have a winning record, a winning record in games that you have played. Okay, okay? so there were a couple guys that got cut as a result of that. I'm just going to tell you the guys that got cut as a result of that: SGA, Dame mm-hmm. Lillard, Pascal Siakam. All right, so yeah. I there were so many great candidates this year at the guard spot. That There's I was, I I had to develop some criteria, and that I wasn't really looking at who would get cut. That that was the criteria that I decided on, and I just decided to stick with it. You know, who knows if I'll when at the end of the season if I'll have that same criteria. But for now, that's what I decided to go with. Um, so, with that being said, the guys that made my second team All NBA backboard. Whoa! All right, all right, you really shook this up. At least I shook it, up, baby. I There's shook a it. There's a up. lot going on here. So I decided to go for those of you that are watching on YouTube with my guy. I've loved him since college. I love De'Aaron Fox. He's been one of my favorite players. So happy that he's balling out this year. The performance that he's, you know, having in, in clutch time after coming into the season, being rated as one of the worst clutch time players, to go to being one of the best clutch time players, I think, speaks to the development that I've been waiting to see out of him. You know, there was a lot of hate. Given towards the Kings last year for trading Halliburton for Sabonis, and hey, it worked out for both teams. Darren Fox has thrived in the absence of Tyrese Halliburton. Who knows if they could have played together and, and complemented each other? I think they could have, but I think Sabonis and Fox work really well together. Also, love that they're both lefties. I just like like just like I like Brunson and Randall being both lefties. I think it's cool to have the, the star players of teams being lefties. I think it's cool. And then on the other guard spot. I don't have John ja Morant, which I was thinking you were expecting me to have. I have my guy, Drew Holiday. When you look at the Bucks on a 15-game winning streak or 16-game winning streak, whatever they're on, the performance that Drew put up against the hospital C's, I know it was the hospital C's, but still, Drew Holiday was the best guard in that game, and he's been the best guard on the court in a lot of games that he's played this year. Drew is the man. He's the man, and he's the—he's the he's the second-best player on the best team in basketball. So, yeah. with that being said, I had to give him that spot, and obviously, he is probably the premier guard defender in the league.
0: So, I was thinking of our duo list the other day, and you know, I mentioned when we were doing it: is it Middleton? Is it Holiday? And we ended up being like, "It's, it's got to be Middleton." It's now Holiday. I mean, because Middleton's mm-hmm. just been out for so long, and he's been he's been fantastic. Both of these guys are in consideration for an All NBA spot for me, so I, I, I can't go too hard on that. But I have to feel like th- so. When did you write your list? Because I, I think it's a little crazy that both of these guys are over Ja.
1: Um, I wrote my list. I mean, I wrote my list today, man. Like Ja, Ja. I mean, he's on my third team. I'll just tell you right now. For Jha's sure, on my third team. I just when I was looking at it, um, maybe I wrote it after the the Ja news came out. I'm not really sure, mm-hmm. but I knew that I wanted Holiday on my second team. I initially had Holiday on my first team. And then I was like, no, that that's probably too much of a thing to do. So I, I moved him down to the second team. De'Aaron Fox, I mean, I just, dude, I just think that the impact he's had this year, you could make the argument that he's been just as good as Ja Morant. Like, why can't you make that argument? I think that there's some numbers out there that are going to support the Fox over Morant argument. I think the crunch time idea is huge because Ja and the Grizzlies have been terrible in the fourth quarter they they have that that's why i'm not high on the grizzlies as a playoff team i've been saying that all year i don't think they have enough when it comes down to nut crunch time in the playoffs i don't think that they can in the half court win a battle against a team that knows how to execute you can't just go john Morant high pick and roll and hope for the best I'm like that's not going to work when you're predictable we've seen that with offenses through, throughout the past 20 years if you have a predictable offense in the playoffs it's not going to work and the Grizzlies are predictable I like the the um, air of unpredictability that comes with Sabonis's playmaking and Fox moving off of that and then plus his mid-range game has just been absolute wetty this year so I, I just love the Aaron Fox
0: yeah, and you've always been a big De'Aaron Fox guy, so I'm not surprised I was expecting to see him at some point. Like I said, he's in consideration for my next team. We'll talk about that's, that's kind of that last guard spot that I really have up for debate as to where to go. I am a little surprised that you also just decided to leave. I mean, this is based on the criteria that you set for yourself, but SGA has been so good. And I know, and I, I'm with you, I think winning really does matter as well. I do think that there are certain exceptions, especially when you're, you know, over um you're you're exceeding expectations which is what i think the thunder are just by being in the mix i think people already wrote them off into the season as that's a playing team or that's a that's a tanking team excuse me that's a wemby team that's Mm going to be in the mix and you know they might fall short of the playoffs and end up in that wemby mix but but they're going all out with that young team to try to make the play in to go ahead and get some playoff experience and uh and, and sga and ja i would have over these two like I said I do think both of them are in consideration but that's what makes it so hard the guard spot is brutal the guard spot mm-hmm. is brutal and we'll, we'll talk some more when we get to um, when we get to the third team here about all the guys that are in the mix that either didn't make any of our teams or still have a chance to kind of come up and, and take a spot but it, it's really tough man it's up well, I, I think
1: oh go ahead with SGA what, what would you guess their record is with him in the lineup
0: with him in the lineup i mean overall right now they are 28 and 30 i mean they're yeah there's several games under 500 28 and 33 i'd say they're probably close to 500 with with him in the lineup 25 and 29 yeah i mean that's i mean that's kind of what they're trending as for the season i just feel like with them my so my exception with sga is one how just spectacular his season's been and then two it's just that People thought they'd be a lot closer to the Spurs and Rockets than they are to being to the the ten seed and being in the play in. Yeah, I mean, my my, my main
1: criteria was you, like I said, you have to be over five hundred yep. games you played. So when That's I set fair. that criteria, I didn't know that SGA. I thought maybe like they were going to be above five hundred mm-hmm. because he's so he's so damn good. But they were twenty five and twenty nine, so he got cut. Um, yep. All right, let's move on to the front court second team All NBA. You got it pulled up, so let's see what you got. I went with Ooh. LeBron James, who you know might miss extended period of time. I think a report came out. I didn't see exactly how long he's going to be out. I think it's going to be several weeks. And it's then, Ambiguous, yeah, ambiguous right now. Um, and Laurie marketing. you know Larry, I think they were. I think he's one game over five hundred in the games that he's that he's played with the Jazz. Um, That was in terms of me checking it today. So Mm -hmm. he was a guy that I was thinking might not make it because of that. You know, when I set that criteria, I was like, oh, maybe he'll actually end up being out. Um, But I think that the fact that he's above that criteria and he's had one heck of a season, he's the best player on the Utah Jazz. That have been a real surprise. So especially with like a kind of a lack of candidates at the forward spot he kind of just made it by default there
0: yeah it's it's weird it's when you really dig in depending on what criteria and who you're looking at it can get large but it's weak this year even though it has some mm-hmm. names it, it's relatively weak i also have lebron but it looks like lebron i mean there's a world in which he's just done for the season and that's going yeah. to eliminate him down the stretch but i figured for right now he's played i think 47 games is where he's at that he, he's been awesome he's the all-time scoring leader you know the lakers are it is what it is and so do the lakers do have a winning record when he plays yep okay um yeah i mean it, it's lebron nothing else needs to be said he he's there we'll see if he doesn't play any more games this season because they start to fall off i mean anthony davis is sitting the game tonight as we're talking and so i don't know it doesn't look good for the lakers right now and it seems MVP like is so soft yeah if it, it's looking like the lakers are hanging on for dear life that lebron can come back with like five games left they're two games out that's kind of like their weird best case scenario. So it's it's not looking promising. My guess is that they fall out enough that he's probably just done for the season. So we'll address that when we get to the end of the season, all NBA teams with Laurie Markkinen. Shout out to, did you see our guy Saruti have to uh, apologize to Laurie Markkinen? Yeah, that, that was good TV. <laughs> well done by Saruti. Well done by Laurie Markkinen. He took it in stride. Um, he did not make my second spot here. This is where I think your criteria is what comes into play. Kevin Durant has my second spot yeah so Kevin Durant's at 39 games and this leads into kind of my quandary when we get to the third team here in a minute KD's at 39 games he's averaging 30 points 6.7 or 5.3 assists he's coming back this week you know by the time it's all said and done as long as he doesn't get injured again I think he's going to hit enough games where he's going to be here he's going to be in this spot And, you know, he's another guy that unless it's a legit injury, which he's now starting to have more and more of them, that it's very concerning, which is why as Celtics fans, when we had the Jalen Brown debate, it couldn't be ignored. That had to be a part of what we were talking about. Unless that happens again, he's going to play. Unless it's something serious, he's going to play. He's going to want to gel with Devin Booker and gel with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. So I put him in this spot. Right here as the second forward, so I have LeBron and KD. So it was Mitchell, Dame, Kevin Durant, LeBron, and Embiid were on my second team. Okay, it's a good team. It's a dude. You can't go wrong. That's the best part with yeah. all NBA. You you cannot go wrong. So let's go to the third team here, and let me give the quick recap here for third team first quarter. I had John Morant, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Davis for greg he had donovan mitchell tyrese halliburton jalen brown pascal siakam and anthony davis go ahead to the second quarter i had tyrese halliburton steph curry lebron james jalen brown Demonte sabonis and for greg we had tyrese halliburton devin booker zion williamson lebron james and bam Adebayo. bio let's go to the front court because this is where there was a lot of debate about what to do I'll give you mine, Greg, and then let's let's go into it because this is where I have a question. And I I think you need I need to be a little bit more. If this was the end of the season, I'd be a little bit more stringent with it, and I wouldn't be able to do one of the players that I'm naming here. But we okay. talked about SGA, so SGA is in my third team right now. It was between him and Dame, who's going to get second, who's going to get third. Ended up with SGA falling to the third team, and this is where. So I just mentioned Kevin Durant has played 39 games this season. Steph Curry's played 38. It felt like I wasn't being true if I didn't put Steph Curry on here because of one less game. He's also slated to come back. It looks like this upcoming week in the next two or three games. And so with that, I went with Steph Curry, but I will say, as much as you love De'Aaron Fox, I'm in love with Jalen Brunson. I lo- other than <laughs> other 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 than his annoying Trey Young Chris Paul quirk of getting that kind of stop in the lane foul call which isn't really a basketball play but if you know mm-hmm. technically it's a foul I love watching him play I think he is the the main catalyst for New York's you know um, for their success this year as much as Julius Randle who's a guy I'm, I'm going to talk about here in a minute. I think that success really belongs more to having a guy like Jalen Brunson who runs your offense, gets you into your sets, can get in the lane, has been on a scoring tear in the second half of the season. I really wanted to put him here and then also Drew Holiday. Those were really the two that if I'm taking Steph out, it's I got to have a real long talk with myself about is it Holiday, which which absolutely could be the right call. Or is it my love of Jalen Brunson that supersedes that? And I'd have mm-hmm. to really figure that out. So if Curry doesn't come back and play enough games, that's where I'm leaning is Holiday or Brunson as to who gets that spot. But for now, I, I just couldn't put KD at 39 games and say Curry's been out too long at 38 mm-hmm. games. So I, I made that call with Devin Booker. Devin Booker's played 35 games. He's out. Mm-hmm. 30, 38, it's, it's a little wishy-washy, but it's also, once again, when you're dealing with guys like Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, legacy plays a role. Yeah, it, it is, I, it's a tiebreaker.
1: I, I hear you, but at the same time, it's just like if it's legacy plays a role, just like write in the same 15 names every year. You know what I mean? Like,
0: right. But it's also they're having insane seasons like when they're yeah. when they're playing. You know, yeah. like Steph Curry was going 50, 40, 50, 90 on, you know, the same kind of ludicrous attempts that we just talked about with Dame Lillard, but he's obviously the playing
1: more. Yeah. Because, because Steph, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are two of the best players in the world. Like if they were playing the entire season, they would both be first team all NBA. Like there, there has to be other things that are factored in. That's kind of just like how I decided to do it. Cause obviously, yeah, I want, Ke- I, I think Kevin Durant is an all NBA guy. I think Steph Curry is an all NBA guy. Yeah, Neither of them are on my teams. Cause I was just like, There's so many guys that are having really good seasons, like yeah. But that's
0: why but that's why this is the third quarter. This is the third quarter check in. Like when we get to the end and it's no more projecting what could they be, what will they be at? If Kevin Durant's at fifty games and or let's go Steph Curry, if Steph Curry's at fifty games by the end of the season, and right now Jalen Brunson's on pace to play like, you know, eighty games, like it's it's not even a question.
1: You know what I mean, but Mike, I think my criteria at the end of the season is going to the floor is going to be fifty five games. I think that's what I've decided. Yeah,
0: somewhere between fifty five to fifty eight is kind of what I'm leaning towards as well. um, When we get to that end of the season, so it's going to be some. I think probably fifty five is probably a good number to look at by the time we get there. So, so what's your third? What's your third team backcourt?
1: I I just wanted to like kind of talk about all the guys that I was considering here. All right. So, you know, I already talked about SGA and Dame and Pascal were criteria cuts um, in terms of not having a winning record in games that they played. Then I had these criteria cuts that were games, overall games played. Kawhi, Curry, KD, Zion, Booker, AD. And then I also was considering these guys. I'm just going to tell you who I didn't have on the team. um, Tough cuts guy that I had on both of my teams the first time. Tyree Saliburton, I have yeah. him cut. Bam Adebayo, I have him cut. Ooh. James Harden, I have him cut. Jalen Brunson, I have him cut. Paul George, he's cut. Kyrie Irving, he's cut. Like all these guys that easily could be on there. And if you finagle some positions, and this is another thing I wanted to talk about. like We had Jalen listed as a forward in earlier in the season, but Jalen's been listed as a guard, right? So like, is he even eligible for a forward spot?
0: It's one of those things where, I mean, he's. I think he's going to be a little bit of, this happened to Chris Middleton uh, a few years ago. He's going to be listed at guard and forward. And this happens to several of the players where they get listed uh, at both. Right. And so you can kind of do either and they kind of split their points. And so it's weird the way it works that it actually hurts them more than the NBA thinks it benefits them because they're giving that optionality. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been putting Jalen Brown at forward all season just because I, I don't have a way to get, I mean, I think I could try to squeeze him in in the guard section and it would be justified but it's a lot easier to do as a forward
1: yeah no i'm actually going to change something then if that's the case um <laughs> <laughs> on, so the fly. I'm, I'm, on the fly I'm, I'm making a change here because if i can list jalen as a forward i'm going to list him as a forward because i think the the conversation that we were just having having about who the catalyst is for the new york knicks i think it's uh jalen brunson over julius randall so mm-hmm. i was initially going to have Julius Randle on my third team, but I'm going to knock him out, slide Jalen to the f- the forward spot, and have Jalen Brunson my third team backcourt. So let's go, so Jalen Brunson.
0: Love Jalen Brunson.
1: My, my pictures are all messed up right now, so <laughs> you're not you're not going to you're not going to have a visual <laughs> to go along with this. But I, my third team on BA is going to be John Morant, um, uh, Jalen Brunson. So JB is Jalen Brunson in this scenario. Okay. Jimmy Butler, another JB. Jalen Brown.
0: And the all JB uh, team, can we make it all JB team
1: somehow? We should, we should look into that <laughs> and Sabonis. So, I was gonna go with Bam versus Sabonis here. I just love what the Kings are doing. I would rather have two Kings on my NBA teams than two Heat on my NBA teams. So, that was really how I decided on Sabonis versus Bam. I mm-hmm. also was thinking, can I put Bam as a forward? Because if I could, so Bam that's potential. Forward, because then, that's that's the I whole Jokic
0: and Bead thing where they fake list them as forwards. But no, it's like that's just not genuine. That's not in no yeah. way is that authentic. And then like a handful of people do it, but it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. and I, I think with Bam and Sabonis, it's the same way. And it's funny, the, the thinking for your last spots, we're we're right in line. I think we have a, a slight a couple slight differences. But so I had, you know, I had SGA and Curry. Ish in that second spot had Jalen Brown was solidified, and then I had Julius Randle because I felt like I couldn't put Jalen Brunson in that guard spot, so I went Julius Randle over the Lori Markin and DeMar DeRozan, Pascal Siakam, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kawhi. You know, just the fact that Kawhi's even being mentioned again is a good sign, though. No, I like that. I, I had to think about Kawhi for a minute. That's a good sign for the Clippers. Good sign for the NBA. I love watching Kawhi, but ultimately I went with Julius Randle. The dude never misses games. The dude plays it once again. He plays a ton. He plays a ton. His stats are amazing. He's 25 and 10, for assists. Like I said, I would lean more if I had to say who's more responsible for New York being in the five seed right now. I think it's Jalen Brunson, but Julius Randle's been great. So yeah. I don't really have a problem putting him on my third team. And then I also, I'm surprised that you went Sabonis over Ben, but because you went Jimmy Butler, I understand that. And that was kind of my thinking where Fox was, I would put him just probably behind Holiday and Brunson in my guard ranking if we're replacing Curry but I do think the Kangs need to be represented here. Mm -hmm. The Kangs are Kangin, man. The beam is beaming. I got to get somebody out there. And I had Sabonis Q2. I've got Sabonis for Q3. It's between him and Bam. I don't think there's much debate of who else it would be for that, for that center spot. I think it's the two of them. Maybe if you want to throw Jaron Jackson, but I don't think either of us, I just get annoyed with him fouling out constantly. Yeah, like, and he's just good. Be available, dude. I,
1: I think it was good for him to to be an all-star for the first time this year. Like that shout out to Jaron Jackson. He'll probably be defensive player of the year. Like that's enough accolades for Jaron Jackson this year. He doesn't need to be on NBA, too. Like I think he's he's getting more than his due with the all-star nod and all the talk about him being the best defender in the league. I think that's well-deserved. He's been awesome, but like, let's not make Jaron Jackson, like one of the 15 best players in the league just yet. He's not there.
0: 100%. So bonus. I think that's the right call for third team right now. If bam and the heat go on a run, I could see Bam coming for that spot. If Bam puts himself as the lead candidate for defensive player of the year, I could see him grabbing that and I'm cool with it. So I like our mm-hmm. list, man. I think we're in good shape here with our Q1, Q2, Q3. When it get to the end of the season, we're going to come up with one list, one definitive list between us. I'm going to mm-hmm. average out the scores of what we've had over the first couple, see what that looks like as far as first team, second team, third team, Ooh. what are our fictional votes look like I up like to that. that point. So we're going to, we're going to dig into that when we get to the end of the season. But For now, let's switch over to, real quick, our MVP candidates before we go ahead and get out of here. So I think for this one, I'm going to make a prediction. I think the top four is pretty easy and pretty cut and dry. Real quick, I'm just going to do our Q2, where we left off, because this has been a little bit easier to progress. So Mm -hmm. for Q2, I left it as my five through one. I'm going to go reverse order. I had Giannis, KD, Tatum, Jokic, and Luka. For you, Greg, Q2 left it off in reverse order. Giannis, Luca, KD, Tatum, and Jokic. Let's go five to one because I think five. Honestly, this is where I'm at right now when it comes to MVP. There's four real candidates at this point. Yeah. I think the fifth candidate is you You can make a couple, throw a couple names around. I'm just, I, I put Luca at five just simply because I had him one last quarter. So now I'm having him down at five. I have Luca at five. Would you have the same?
1: Yeah, the MVP discussion is like a little bit boring, honestly, when you think about it. Um, but this is yeah, why I we agree. saved
0: it for the second half. <laughs> this yeah. is why we did all NBA first. Yeah, no, it's, I, it's I think, way more interesting.
1: Luca. I have a question mark next to his name because I was like, Luca? Like, I guess, but they're not great.
0: You know what I mean? Like, Why are we the same person? I want to show you my screen right now. I literally have my MVP list. It's Luca question mark because I was going to say, you could throw someone else in there. I don't really care. Like, you could throw John in there. You could throw Mitchell in there. It it doesn't matter. But that's exactly what I have is five, Luca question mark. And then if we go to four, this is where I'm going to guess we're the same, but it could be different. I've got our guy, Jason Tatum. Agreed. So Tatum, I, I think he still has an outside chance to come up and grab the MVP, but he's got to he's got to do something real special down the stretch here. So you know, in the in, in February, he had a bad month by his standards twenty five point five points per game. It's the first month he was below thirty points, and obviously well below that by five points. Got to the line two times less per game; is about six and a half. He's eight and a half on the season. You know, but I do want to point out, and Brian Barrett of um. Of the host of off the Pike podcast the ringer tweeted this earlier so last february tatum also had a little bit of a drop off in his production 24.5 points per game on 43 and a half percent from the field 32.6 percent from three-point shot we know that jt's three-point shot is you know when he goes nuts it's when that three-point shot is is just on point and when he's a little bit off you're not going to see quite as much of the bonanzas but here's his march from last year 32.8 points per game, 53.8 percent from the field, and 44.7 percent from the three-point line. Now, we talked about it before. He plays through everything. He's got a couple of injuries. He's playing through the wrist, the thumb. You know, it, it's getting towards the end of the season. Who knows if he's going to replicate the march that he had last year? But he needs a march like that if he's going to jump up from this fourth spot. And a lot of that is just because of the three guys ahead of him. They're they're superhuman. So it's Mm going to take a superhuman effort for him to try to jump those guys and the Celtics would have to be no doubt the best record in the NBA at the end of the season, I think, for him to have a chance.
1: Yeah, I also think in February, you got to consider Marcus Smart missed a bunch of games. Jalen Brown missed some games. So like JT's role kind of changed a little bit where he had to be more of a facilitator, seeing more double teams. You can't just like, um, you know hope you know. Hope for the best against the Celtics. You got to like have a game plan going up against a, a team that has just Jason Tatum versus Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's pretty tough to double Jason Tatum when Jalen Brown's on the court. So yeah, makes, makes a lot of sense that his numbers went down in February. Hopefully he picks it up. But I agree. If he does have like his best month ever in March, which is definitely possible, yeah. he's going to put himself right back in that discussion. All right. Uh, number three. I mean, the, so... You go first here because I, I think we're going to have a difference of opinion on number three.
0: Yeah, my, my guess is it's the same as, as – well, let me ask you this. Does our all-NBA
1: centers predict what we have for, for two and three? Does that mean that we have the same number one? I think so. Okay. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so I have Jokic I have at three.
0: I have Embiid, which is so that we don't need to rehash this. We talked about this with with all NBA first team, second team. That's exactly Mm going to dictate who I think goes in front in the MVP voting is who I put in that all NBA first, second team. So I have Embiid three. You have Jokic three. I have Jokic two. You have Embiid two. Go back a couple minutes in the podcast if you want to hear the explanation for that. We've been Mm -hmm. over that. And that leaves number one, it's Giannis. He's the best player in the world. Uh, We just talked about how you know you think he's out you think there's going to be an, in, an injury that's going to keep him out for a bit he misses two three games he comes back he drops 33 and 15 his team has the best record in the nba right now they're the one seed in the east by a slight margin over the celtics uh he's just an animal i mean he might win defensive player of the year as well at the very least he's probably going to be in that top three candidates when they do the awards at the end of the year so when you factor all of that in He's the best player in the league on what is currently, as we're recording, the best team in the league record wise. And there's just he's just a problem in every which way that you can think of. And because of that mentality, you had that Frankenstein that you built of him. There's never going to be a Ben Simmons moment with Giannis. Mm-hmm. He he will continue to believe in himself, believe in and just having that willpower to even the things he's not good at to continue to try and get better. And we've seen what happens when you know when he does that and he goes 17 for 20 from the free throw line as a 60 something percent free throw shooter in the biggest moment on the biggest stage to bring home a championship. And so for that reason and the streak that the the Bucks are on right now as we're heading into
1: this fourth quarter of the season. Giannis is the MVP. It's his third one. Agreed. Agreed. I think that he should have already had his third one by now, but you know, I think he'll get it this year. I've been saying it for most of the year. Um, I think Giannis is deserving of this MVP award. I hope he gets it. And, you know, when you think back from a Bucs fan's perspective, which I don't always love taking the perspective of other <laughs> um other fans, but it reminds me a little bit of the Celtics three-year stretch, right? When KG got hurt in year two. And Mm -hmm. the Celtics didn't make it back to the finals, but then they were able to make it back the year after that. Like Middleton gets hurt in year two. The Bucs arguably should have been in the finals last year. So now that they have their full team back, like maybe this is the year where Giannis, when we look back on it, we're like Giannis was just that dude. He was just really that dude. And he probably should have been in three straight finals if if we're being real about it. So like, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's a case where Jason Tatum decides to take it to another level. Maybe Joel Embiid has his moment for the first time in his career. And maybe it's Jokic's year where we're like, oh, this exact same thing that happened with Giannis—he won two straight MVPs. People didn't vote for him the third time. Ends up winning a championship in that year three. That could happen for Jokic this year. So a lot of a lot of um, narratives that are that are in play right now, kind of just like interwoven into this beautiful tapestry of basketball that I just love talking with you, my friend.
0: Yeah, I don't love the way you put that. I think you're right, but it just made me a little sad thinking like, oh man, that is actually a really good comparison of that KG injury and the Middleton mm-hmm. injury. And you know, I mean, obviously, the Celtics didn't have a best player in the world candidate during that time, they had a best team can't, you know, option for them as well, for them, but Yeah Giannis is just that dude man and yeah this is this is so much fun right now the MVP race is basically down to about three and a half players all NBA lots up for grabs this has been a really fun experiment to kind of keep track of this and I'm excited once we get to the end of the season we'll do this probably right before we get to the playoffs in that little bit of week off we'll preview wherever the Celtics are at and we'll wrap up our awards and then we'll check in once they get announced and let's see how we do. You know, I think mm-hmm. we're pretty good here at covering the sport of basketball. So we'll check in to see how it actually all plays out at the end of the season. But that's going to do it for this episode here of Green with Envy. As always, we appreciate you guys joining us here on this ride. Make sure you stay subscribed and tune into us. Follow us on all of our social media accounts at Green Envy Pod. Make sure you are following us on YouTube. We are live streaming most of our segments and uploading clips from the show uh, to both YouTube and Instagram. So make sure you guys. Are catching us on there.
1: Greg, any final thoughts? And then if not, everybody should know the drill by now. Yeah, I know the drill. New music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimists and this one is called Skywalking. Peace, everybody. Peace. I wish that i would never seen the stars in your eyes. A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage. Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe. But I stick for a minute because I'm digging the vibe. I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes. Don't be catching feelings when it's only a vibe. Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy. You know, the one thing different is the state of your mind. I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope. I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float. You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote. But I'd be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope. Because should know that, that i We'll go with the flow. I could sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes. You had me taken off and you took off your clothes. It should be coming down by now, but I won't look.